Hey, Rock Sliders and Podcast World. This is Robbie Denning. Welcome back to the Rockcast. Uh, yeah, it's been like 90 days since we've posted. We've got good reasons for it. We're going to talk about that today. Um, I want to reintroduce the true legend of Rock Slide, Ryan Avery. He's on the other mic here. I'm in southern Idaho. He's in northern Idaho. So we got the whole state of Idaho covered. Ryan, are you there? I'm here. I'm glad that the Rockcast is back up and back and running. Yeah, dude, it's been it's been a, a long haul. I think we should probably tell everybody kind of what's been going on. The the last podcast we did was saying goodbye to Jordan, and uh, we did not intend to uh, idle the podcast, but we went out and started inter- interviewing for hosts. Uh, we liked what Jordan did. It was a gear centric podcast. It was uh, filling that space well. Uh, had a, had a good following. Uh, we spent well about 60 to 70 days talking to all kinds of qualified hosts that were out there. And I'll kind of let you pick it up from here, Ryan, on, on why it took so long to get to this point and why we're here now. Oh, finding, you know, everybody wants to be a podcast host. And when you actually put it in their face, put the mic in their face and ask them, you know, to show you a little bit of what they can do or what they have done, they become, they become different creatures. So we thought we had a host at one time and that didn't work out. And we, we thought we could possibly have another host, and that didn't work out. And then I actually did a podcast uh, two weeks ago about down versus treated down, kind of what I've seen over the last two years. And then Apple told us that we had too long of a pause, which was very interesting to me because Avery Adventures has six or seven month pauses and comes right back. If I do the post, it comes up, and Apple said they put us on hold or suspension or something. So. Um, we should have two podcasts out soon, this one and the treated down one. And then Robbie's going to kind of talk about what he's going to do. But anyways, me and Robbie, I don't know if you want to get into this now, Robbie, we're just kind of talking about where it's headed as far as the back and forth, you know, for the next five to six months between me and you doing the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's get it out there. What, what we decided on and, and, uh, after, you know, talking to different people out there and, and you know, part of what we're looking for is is in a host, you know, we need a guaranteed number of podcasts. And Jordan was really good about that. You know, she was six podcasts a month. You know, she missed a podcast one month. She, she did seven the next month. You know, you, you gotta have a steady stream of podcasts going out. Well, you know, a lot of the people we're talking to, they got jobs, they got other commitments and everything. And it's, it's, it's just hard for them to, to be able to commit to that. And so Ryan and I decide, we're, that's what we're going to do. We're going to shoot for four to six podcasts a month uh, here. We're going to do another 20, 30 episodes, just him and I, get this thing back on the rails, get it going again. We're still looking for a host. Um, what, what I learned the last couple of months is that um, we need a host that has the specific vision of a, of a gear-centric podcast. They know the industry well. You know, that's important. If they don't know the industry well, it's really hard to to talk about the broad scope of gear. And um, and they got to have a lot of time because it does it. Take, you know, Jordan, for every hour she would podcast, she said it was an hour or two of editing. You know, so if you're doing six podcasts a month, you know, three hours per podcast, you know, that's that's 20 hours a month. That doesn't sound like a lot. But, you know, when you really sit down when you're trying to work your other jobs, take care of your family and everything else. That's a lot of time. But Ryan and I have, you know, we've committed. Um, so what, what we're going to do is we'll, we'll have episodes where him and I are um, co-hosting just like this. And then uh, we'll have episodes where we're on our own. Uh, my, my episodes, uh, for the most part, unless I'm doing a gear review, would be a, a mule deer podcast. And I, yes, I've had, thanks you guys. There's a lot of guys out there 
asking for that. I don't want to go start a separate podcast for Mule Deer, not when we've got this great platform. And uh, so I'll post that content here. So if you're just looking for Mule Deer Podcast, always look for the acronym and the title, the episode title, HBMD. That stands for Hunting Big Mule Deer. That comes to the, from <laughs> both, both the titles of my books. And uh, so watch for that if you're just kind of scrolling through and you want to catch some Mule Deer content. Um, I'll start hitting on that. In fact, we're going to tease out a little bit of it today. I've got some stuff on mule deer winter severity we're going to talk about. Um, uh, Ryan, uh, what are you going to be talking about besides elk, dude? Besides those stinky yellow elk, what are you going to be talking about? Well, I wanted to, <clears throat> I wanted to get into the elk when you get into your snow, your snow, your mule deer snow problem because one animal is a little tougher than the other. But we'll get to that. Okay, um, well, we will. I, I want to hit like there's a lot of podcasts. There's a lot of podcasts that do the same. I think we both want to have you know, a podcast that's a little different because so many podcasts that I hear, and I'm not knocking on anybody, but they're, they're retreads. Like it's the same people. They circulate around, you know, you know, even, even, even Robbie Denning is kind of a podcast slut sometimes <laughs> just, just how it is. But I want to have like obscure things. Like I've noticed two years ago about this down treated down versus untreated down and kind of what I seen and, and even treated down that didn't quite work out the way I thought just obscure stuff like that. A little bit of rifle stuff, a little bit of ballistic stuff, and a little bit of stuff that I don't see anybody talking about. That so it's you come when you come to it, you're going to get good mule deer content from Robbie, and you're probably going to get some weird ass gear things from me. So it'll be very interesting. Yeah, and, and the the other thing, and I think this Jordan played this strength is this isn't just about us and our gear testing and our reviews and things like that. Uh, Rockslide had millions of visitors last year, according to Google. And so we're drawing from a huge pool of Rockslide members that are also sharing uh, their experiences, hunting gear, all that stuff on the forums all the time. And, and Jordan, Jordan was really good about highlighting that stuff. And so uh, she even had members come on the podcast. And so Ryan and I will play that angle as well, because, again, we we don't know everything, not even close. Uh, in, in every gear category, you know, backpacks, you know, rifles, um, optics, I mean, there's there's always – it's like when you're in high school, there's always someone tougher. There's always someone better, you know, <laughs> and, um, uh, and and we've really seen that. Although, Ryan, you are the the, 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 the can master lately on, on the forums. I notice everything you post about uh, uh, cams and what do you call those things? They're not silencers. Suppressors. Suppressors. Thank you. Um, uh, you know, Ryan uh, really has a, a, an ongoing conversation about that on Rockslide, and 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 so we're going to bring some of that to the to the podcast as well because there's a whole wealth of information on the Rockslide forums. If you're not a forum guy, you just can't stand to post. You're still. Yeah, uh, well worth your time to jump over there and just be a lurker. We have lots of lurker. In fact, millions of those visits we had were from lurkers. Um, but if you're a forum guy, you can handle a little banter back and forth, getting getting in deep on the conversation and learning and everything. It's a great place to post as well. It is, and and I learn something on there every day. It's and it's funny because the pool of people that we can also talk to to come back to this podcast, and and a lot of times. I think it's lost in translation when I, as the podcast host, or Robbie as a podcast host, have a guest on from such and such brand to where what I wanted to kind of do with that treated and untreated is I learned like three things in a couple of weeks when I was talking to Kurt from Stone Glacier and even I think his name's Tyson from Outdoor Vitals. I, I believe that's his name. Yes, I think that's his name. At the, at the Hunt Expo, I was asking him about some treated down thing because him and St Outdoor Vitals and Stone Glacier have the same kind of treated down and 
if ever podcast ever gets the light and Apple lets it out, um, you'll kind of see what I'm talking about is they use the same kind and whatever that is is fantastic. But anyways, the whole point is, is I can ask them questions without actually having to bring them onto the show and kind of get a, a short and sweet podcast. They don't all have to be an hour, an hour and a half. You can do a 15, 20 minute or and cover a lot of content if you're by yourself. So I think that'll actually help us um, get to the point. I'm glad you bring that up. Some of my, you know, a couple of years ago, I don't know, maybe five years ago, you know, I liked two hour podcasts, you know, three hour, whatever, you know, cutting firewood, I put my earbuds in and put my um, earmuffs over and I could, I could listen to it for hours, but you know, you don't get a lot of, of time where you can do that. So some of the podcasts I've been listening to now, they're kind of in that 10 to 30 minute range. I really like those, you know, cause you know, a lot of times I can find that, that, that much time to listen to a podcast. Um, so Hope to introduce some of that too. Some of the some of this mule deer stuff, you know, might be short and sweet like today's, but uh, there'll there'll be something there for for people that are trying to improve their mule deer game. And and by the way, Ryan, uh, the Outdoor Vitals guys, his name is Tayson. Tayson. Okay. I knew it was T, and I knew I had a twist to it, so I was close. Okay. Uh, so let's see. Moving on here. Um, uh, we do, we will post, um, episodes on our rock slide Instagram. Um, we're probably not going to be posting on the rock cast Instagram anymore. Uh, just wasn't a lot of engagement over there. We do most of our work on the rock slide Instagram page. So if you haven't subscribed to that, maybe you're not on the forum every day, you might miss the, the updates to the rock cast. Just jump on the rock slide Instagram. ROK. We spell it the cool way. ROK. S L I B E. Jump on there, subscribe to that. And, uh, we'll put little reminders on there when, uh, podcasts launch. Um, let's see. Anything else on that, Ryan? No, but it could be the, the North Idaho way to spell it or the Alabama way to spell it. If you ask some dude, people. Dude, 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 every time you start talking about those Alabama people, dude, they show up on your door with pitchforks and, oh, and torches, dude. buddy. Be careful. Remember what ha- happened last time with the teeth jokes. <laughs> We're not talking about teeth. We're talking about spelling. So hopefully they're not near as offended as. Be careful, dude. There's, te- there's teachers down there. They take a lot of pride in the way they spell. Oh, you should tell the tell them the joke that you have about Chalice, Idaho, but probably not. <laughs> well, dude, I gotta say it now. <laughs> Go ahead. They'll, they'll okay. It's okay. Robbie, now, it's Robbie at rockslide.com. Just, okay, Ryan. So, so this could be applied to any small town. You mentioned Chalice, so I'm just gonna roll with that. Okay. So, Ryan, did you know that the toothbrush was invented in chalice idaho i did not yeah dude because if it was invented anywhere else it would be called the teeth brush <laughs> it's still send, funny it's still send funny. all complaints to the avery adventures uh instagram oh, or contact ryan directly uh hit me in a dm and i'll send his phone number well how that joke happened is i was driving me and jim Carr were driving through chalice and i called robbie or he called me and he's like where you at and i told him and he said oh do you know about the toothbrush <laughs> <laughs> my brother-in-law told me that dude there's a little town north of here called i think it's called parker or something we were, we were eating at a hamburger joint out there and dude after he sold the joke i got looking around and i'm like man he's right dude it takes like five people to have a whole mouthful of teeth here <laughs> okay the podcast is already off the rails dude we've already insulted two two, two towns i mean oh, Lord. anyway all right i guess we got to get back on track 
We do, dude. Let me do a uh, before we roll into um, uh, today. We're going to be talking about um, one of our favorite articles that come out every year. It's the the best of uh, gear review article. We release it every year in January or February. The 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 staff picks their their favorite gear that they use, not just in the previous year, but going back to when we started. So sometimes you see, you know, gear that was reviewed three or four years ago. Those are those are the ones I actually really like because, you know, anything can last a season, but if it's lasting multiple seasons. So we're going to talk about that today. Um, we'll talk about, you know, how we do our reviews and just, you know, can you trust our reviews? We'll talk about that. But before we get into that, I want to do um, a winter recap kind of here in the Intermountain West. Uh, talk about um, Idaho, Wyoming, uh, Nevada, uh, Northern Utah, or excuse me, Utah, uh, Colorado, kind of the big mule deer states that are around me, because we're having kind of a wonky winter. And, and what I mean by that is, is some places are severe conditions right now. Uh, other places are not. It's not like the winter of 92, 93, which was so famously bad, which was just, you know, bad conditions everywhere, clear across the board, you know, unless you got into kind of the deserts of, of Utah and Arizona where, you know, winter doesn't really count and it actually helps mule deer to get all that water. But, you know, these northern states uh, uh, really did bad uh, back then. And, and and some people will say we've never really recovered from that winter. But this winter has been different. Robbie, what year did you say that was? Sorry, I didn't. 92-93. Uh, okay. you, you were in diapers then. Of course, you're still in diapers now, but but well, you were well, in child-sized diapers then. Yeah, well, I was in junior high. I wasn't graduated like somebody on the podcast. The other, the other one was 17, 18. Just, I'm just trying to get oh it right. Oh, my gosh, dude. If you, okay, in my life, 80, 80, 83, 84, 84, 85, 92, 93, um, 96, 97 was pretty tough. 96, 97 was kind of like right now. Some areas were tough. Some were not so much. Um uh, 2001, uh, two was, was bad in some areas. Um, 2007, eight, that was a big one, especially for the Intermountain West and Colorado. And then 2011, 10, that was, that was pretty bad as well. Uh, and, uh, then this 16, 17 one, uh, that one was, that one was kind of short and intense, but you know, super high snow depths, you know, 200, 250% of, 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 of snow water equivalent and, and, most of us out here still agree we have not completely recovered from from that winter. So the takeaway from all that is bad winters are built in. It, you, we can't expect not to have bad winters. You know, sometimes I think I, I get kind of down in the mouth about the whole thing. And I'm like, wait a minute, we can't just have perpetual drought, you know, and um, uh, b big mule deer hunters like drought because, you know, it, it grows a lot of deer. But in time, your deer herd starts to shrink because your fawn productivity goes down. Um, it's, it's not good. It's not good. Your habitat conditions go down. So so it's good when we get this water. We got to have it. Um, and it just kind of sucks when you're, you know, you're watching another year of your life slip away because your your, your deer population just dropped, you know, 20, 30 percent and, and possibly higher than that in in, in your big buck segment. Um, but but it's built in and, it, and it's what happens. And, you know, we have been in you know, two pretty severe summers the last uh, the last two years, I guess, the summer of 22 and the summer of 21, Intermountain West, you know, really hot, uh, dry in a lot of places. Last summer wasn't as bad as the previous summer, but they certainly weren't good. Uh, if, you, if you're a big mule deer hunter, you should follow the drought monitors. Um, that'll tell you a lot. A lot. And um, um, they come out every Thursday and you can kind of see the trends. And, you know, we've been in a drought in the Intermountain West in most places from 
you know, moderate to severe to even exceptional in some places for, I don't know, going back to 21. And, uh, well, this hard, this winter that just came in, it really started with these atmospheric rivers that we started getting in, in December, as far as the water. Um, that's when these, these, these big atmospheric rivers set up off of the coast of California. And it's just like, I, I read the stats on it, dude. It's something like 15 Mississippi rivers coming in at once. Um, don't quote me on that, but it's a mind boggling amount of water. And, uh, you know, California really needed that. You know, they, they, they were one of the places that were in exceptional drought. Um, they're still in drought, but it's moved out of exceptional. The, the, the Sierras, uh, the Nevada Sierras, all of that is, you know, 200 to 300 percent of snowpack now. <laughs> and, um, and then moving into Nevada, once you get over the, the, the Sierras, um, a lot of those basins are doing really well now, too. But there are places that it, it got severe. And um, I called around just in Idaho today, my home state, and um, we, we Idaho rarely ever feeds deer. Like, I can count on one hand how many times they've done this in my life, and I, I probably wouldn't even use all my fingers. They just don't do it. Idaho doesn't really believe in it, um, and we could argue that on a different podcast um, and whether it's effective or not. But it was bad enough in the southeast region this year, Ryan, that they are doing it. And, you know, particularly on the east and west sides of Bear Lake, that's unit 78, 76. Um, they're looking at possibly moving it for expanding it in southeast Idaho into, into Franklin Basin, which is 77. Um, and if, if you look at the snow water equivalent right now, I've got it uh, up here. You know, those basins down there are 130 to 140 percent of snowpack. And um, while that's not an extreme amount of snow, like, when, you know, we, 16, 17, we had basins that were over 200 at this at this same point in the winter. Um, that's what the deer have going against them. It's like I said, coming off of two not very good summers, you know, the habitats, it's in OK shape, but it's not in fantastic shape. And the the, the snow started. I was hunting in Idaho the 21st of October. And it, we come off of that dry summer. It started snowing the 21st of October, and it really has not taken an extended break since then. And um, so the snow's been on the ground longer than it usually is. A lot of times our, our deer in this south Idaho, southeast Idaho, um, south central Idaho, you know, kind of our big mule deer herds, um, it, they don't show up on winter range until uh, December there's exceptions everywhere, but, you know, by December, December 15th, you know, you can start really to see the majority of deer down on winter range. Well, this year it was more, it was about a month early. And so these deer are still, you know, hitting, eating on the same bitter brush and, you know, aspen and, you know, all the, all the woody brows that's still sticking out of the snow. They, they've been chewing on those same bushes uh, since mid-November, where on a more typical year, when you don't get so much snow so fast, um, they go through, Oh, I think bi biologists call it more of a transitional migration. That might not be the official word, but they, they transition from area to area to area. They don't just go to winter range and stay. And uh, if you follow some of these um, studies they're doing in Wyoming on, mig on migration corridors, that's why migration corridors are so important because they have so much transitional winter range in them that maybe the deer aren't on them in, you know, January, February, but but they use them to to reserve to prepare their fat reserves before they get to to the, what we call the critical winter range. So our critical winter ranges in this this part of Idaho have, have started early this year. Um, they've got a lot of snow, especially in the southeast corner, and you know even the southern southern Idaho. I'm looking in the Owyhees. Um, uh, from there to the 
east to the Wyoming border, everything's, you know, 110 to 120. I wouldn't call that severe, but I guarantee there's there, there's certain canyons and places down in there that deer are experiencing severe conditions. Um, South central Idaho, you know, east of Haley, um, we're kind of in the 120s, you know, 130s, somewhere in there. As you get north of there, you know, Salmon, Clearwater, Spokane, even up to you, Ryan, everything's looking pretty good. Is that what you're experiencing? Yeah, I just drove around uh, northwest Montana and north Idaho the last, last couple of weeks. I've been traveling around doing things, and I don't think it's near as bad as it was last year, and last year was not terrible. I'm not the snow, you know, geek that you are in the, you know, snowpack levels, but just from my eye, from what I've seen, it does not look bad in, in northern Idaho and northwest Montana. Gotcha. And we'll look at Montana here in a second. Um, at Western Idaho, uh, you know, Weezer, Payette, Boise, all that, they're all like, 100% snowpack, you know, looking good. I called over there this morning and talked to them, and they're they're not experiencing any severe conditions, no severe conditions in the south-central region, you know, other than maybe, you know, localized places. Um, and uh, uh, Region 7, the salmon region, same thing, no winter, winter feeding going on up there. Um, and uh, let's see what else I got here on my notes. They did, along with winter feeding, they did close um, our WMAs, that's our wildlife management areas. They, they closed quite a few of them to human entry. Now, you know, we, we can argue about closing public lands. I get it. Um, th- th- I think this was in lieu of trying to do a shed season, which Idaho Fishing Game kind of seems to be opposed to, even though several Western states around us seem to be able to pull it off. Uh, we could argue about their effectiveness or not, but I, I look at shed, shed closers like I do padlocks. They keep the honest guys honest. And there are thousands of honest sportsmen that will not go out and shed hunt when there is a shed closure. I'm one of them. I, and it, it's fine with me to wait a few months. You know, I'm not, I'm not a hardcore shed guy. It, it doesn't, it doesn't uh, bother my soul to, to let those deer you know, get, get back up on their transitional ranges in you know, late, late April, early May. But um, rather than trying to do that, Idaho closed uh, these, these WMAs. These are anywhere from you know, a few thousand acres to you know, hundreds of thousand acres. I think our Sand Creek WMA might qualify for that. There's a lot of country up there. That's close to human entry. Um, down, down around uh, Pocatello, the Portneuf, the Georgetown, the Montpelier, um, the Blackfoot, WMAs, Blackfoot River WMA, they're all closed as well. I think that's a good thing on a year like this. I'm not saying we got to close them every year. You know, I, I, I worry about closing public lands too. You just may never get them back open. You just never know. Um, but when 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 the deer are experiencing what they're experiencing, you know, it's a good thing. Um, moving over into Wyoming, um, obviously the the basins that touch Idaho from Wyoming, the you know the Upper Green, the Snake, the Lower Green, uh, Yellowstone, they're all experiencing similar conditions as. Uh, southeast Idaho, um, you know, 100 to 125% snowpack, um, uh, not as much as extreme southeast Idaho. That seems to be where the extreme conditions are. Um, Wyoming does have a shed season. I think that helps deer out. Um, uh, so there are still plenty of people out there. In fact, the big mule deer everybody's been watching called King. Just look it up on social media. He's everywhere. Have you seen that buck, Ryan? I have not. Dude, he's a giant. If you go to our, our thread, I did at Expo, um, they had a full-size portrait of him in the um, – Doyle Moss had it in, in the booth down there. I don't think he took the, the photo, but it, it's in that thread. Dude, he's a giant buck. He's truly a giant buck. But the reason I'm bringing him up is um, even though there's a shed closure there, it's not a it's not a human entry closure. People are still bumping him a lot. Um, I heard this at Expo, and he's looking pretty skinny right now. Um, and I, I don't think he should because I've been out – 
I go out weekly, um, observe deer on the winter range. I'm not really seeing skinny deer, even in some of these areas that we're having some tough conditions. And um, I think they're going to get skinny here pretty quick. But he was showing signs of this even a couple of weeks ago. So not good. Um, anyway, so that's that's kind of a Wyoming recap. Jumping over to uh, jumping up to Montana, like what you said, Ryan, everything I'm looking at for snow water equivalents that lines up. Um, with what I see in western Montana, everything's kind of in the 80, 90 percent range of snowpack. The only the only ones that are in 100 are you know, kind of down bordering Idaho. Um, so looking pretty good out there. They don't track snowpack in the plains out there. I would imagine those deer are probably going to do pretty good um, in, in eastern Montana this year. Um, Nevada, uh, this is kind of one of those ones that's kind of all over the place. Northern Nevada is similar to western Montana, um, Idaho, western Wyoming, in that it has migratory wintering deer that have to move to critical winter range to survive the winter. Uh, well, some of those up in the, you know, uh, northern eastern Nevada along the Utah border, um, the upper Humboldt, Clover Valley, um, the Owyhee, um, northern, northern Great Basin, which is the, uh, that would be the northwest uh, side of Nevada that borders the Sierra Nevada. Um, they're all in the 130, 125, 160, 190 percent. Um, I didn't get to talk to anybody down there. You can have that kind of snow water equivalent and maybe not have severe conditions, but I, I would say that, put it this way, it's not going to be better for the deer having uh, this high a snowpack on the ground. But uh, these are also drought-stricken areas. They need the water. And I think in, in the long run, this is going to be a good thing. We just may see our um, older buck numbers, which is what I'm always talking about, um, slip a little bit. Um, now, when you start looking in, into southern Nevada, they're like Utah. They, they need this water. Those deer are not, many of them are not migratory deer. Um, they, 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 they're, they're, they're the drought really hurts them. You know, they don't, they can't move into upper elevations where they're still green up and everything. So the drought hurts them. So I think it'd be, be a good year to be in uh, Southern Nevada. Um, uh, Utah, I didn't, I don't have, I don't have it up right here, but it's very similar to Nevada, you know, very Northern Utah deer feeding operations actually started first there. That was in the cache and then moving, uh, West into, um, the oh i always forget the name of those counties that are over there but they're basically the counties that are south of idaho they're experiencing some pretty extreme conditions too um but as you move further into southern utah it just gets better and the southern utah guys they're giddy i was talking to jason carter at uh his epic booth when we were at expo and he's like hey finally he goes you know i i've been suffering all these years with the drought he says i get some good deer hunting and uh and and now you guys get to suffer. You know, he was teasing me, but but you know, the, he's right. You know, these southern these southern parts of these states. You know, this is what they need. So if you got points or you know a buddy down there and you can go hunt, might might be a good year to be in uh, southern uh, Utah, southern Nevada, northern Arizona. Last state I'll hit's Colorado. Um, it's not too bad. Uh, I ran into guys at the expo that said southern Colorado is you know it's pretty mild. Um, I'm looking at those snowpacks down there in the upper Rio Grande, about 100% of snowpack. That's around Alamosa. Moving over to Durango um, in San Miguel, uh, Dolores, San Juan River basins, uh, you're looking at 134% snowpack. Gunnison's 141. Gunnison always gets gets the brunt of these. Um, but, I, but I haven't heard of 
any any you know extreme conditions going on if, you know if somebody has they can they can chime in on the rock slide forum uh where we post the rock cast uh moving up on the the headwaters of the colorado around glenwood springs looking pretty good 120 percent 125 percent um and then um up on to the northwestern part of colorado in the amp and white valleys about 135 so you know we're, we're gonna lose some deer you always do when you get these higher snowpacks but in the long run this may help the deer help fawn production help body weights and everything um j- just things that i kind of pay attention to every year uh ryan i know you're chomping at the bit to make fun of me about um uh, about elk versus deer dude so i'm going to hand it over to you no actually <clears throat> i have a couple questions for you the right now we're both idaho residents so the they're taking comment on the 23 24 big game season in idaho right now yes do you think it's drastic enough they need to change some seasons they need to change some quotas they need to change some draw numbers you know, I never want to argue with a biologist that has the data, but, um, you know, like like I put in one of the last chapters of my latest book, that there is a time uh, and a place to hunt uh, antlerless deer, doe deer. Um, and I, I always think after these hard winters that, that that is probably not the time to hunt them. And, you know, Idaho, I think Idaho does a pretty good job. They don't manage unit by unit like Colorado or, you know, groups of units. They don't, they don't do it quite that way, but they've still got a pretty good handle on i don't want to say micromanage but you know they 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 don't manage the southeast region for doe tags like they do say the south central idaho and so this might be a year for them to just take a look at you know if there are doe hunts going on in there um you know do we need to trim them back are we okay to keep them um i uh, that that's that's what i would be looking at as far as buck numbers because idaho is under a bucks only two-week season october 10th to the 24th basically covers most of idaho there's not a lot in there you can really do i mean if what what are they gonna do shorten it another five days the statistics tell us ryan that most hunters only hunt about five days anyway so sometimes having a longer season versus a shorter season unless you get extremely short you know like all the way down to five days or four days or something like that sometimes it doesn't doesn't make a lot of difference so i i think maybe take a look at the doe hunts and what is the data telling us and um then Obviously, the late buck hunts, the, the 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 antlered hunts that are under permit, you know, if they took a hit, maybe maybe we should adjust. Nevada does, you know, when they take a hit, they adjust. Um, and I don't want to say Idaho doesn't. Sometimes, sometimes it's a couple years after the winter event before they really go, wow, yeah, this 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 is we're still hurting, and they start making those adjustments. But um, but but overall, I would expect buck numbers to be down in Idaho this year, no matter what we do, at, at least in these places I talked about that are having you know, moderate to severe conditions. Interesting how you say the, the season being two weeks, because I know the biologist up here and I know the couple of fish and game officers and in unit one for mule deer, it went from being all November to the first 20 days of November. And then mm-hmm. the last two years, it's just been the first 14 days. Mm-hmm. So I asked them in December, you know, they haven't got all the, the the actual harvest data back for this year. But I said, did it change anything? And all three of them said absolutely nothing because predators keep killing and it keeps on keeps on snowing. He said, so until that stops, we probably won't have great deer numbers in northern Idaho. Yep. And we never really have. I mean, it's not your it's not your conducive to that. And uh, but it does make the case of it's why when people are telling me close the seasons, cut it back. I'm like, 
sometimes we're our worst own enemies. And, and if it doesn't work, why do it? I mean, I remember when Colorado was all the way back to a three-day deer season for a couple of years in the 90s. And all it did was pack everybody in. It didn't make that big of a difference. It was, you know, you're just moving the coconut shells around a lot of times. And so I think Idaho really manages pretty conservatively. It's a two-week season. It's in you know, mid-October, which is the, typically the toughest time to get them. If you don't get them after opening, on opening day, it's tough after that. So I don't know how much of a difference they could make by cutting more time off of it other than packing more people into it. Interesting. On the feeding thing, how do they have to, like, throttle that down because of, like, CWD and other diseases? They just don't generally like to get a bunch of herd of deer and elk together. Oh, man, dude, this is like three podcasts. Um, <laughs> I like to ask the good questions. Yeah, no, it is, dude. And I I just never know how to feel about it because there's so many different, you know, answers out there. Like Idaho has always been, you know, kind of against feeding, uh, winter wildlife. They, they do do it on, and, and, but a lot of times it's in places where they're trying to keep elk off of the freeway or like Tex Creek WMA. They fed on there on, on severe years. They fed on there after the fire because if they don't, all those, all those elk end up in Idaho Falls, you know, cause dude, elk are pests, Ryan. Just admit it, dude. They're, they're like, Hey, I don't like this little bush I'm eating. Um, you know, I've already chewed it clear to the nubs and, and, and ruined everything for the deer. So I'm going to migrate to the city and I'm going to live right in the gutter. You know, that's, that's what they do, Ryan. That's why I'm always happy when you, when you have two or three elk tags per year, cause you're kind of helping the mule deer out. So, um, but it does <laughs> seem to, it does seem to work for elk. You can get elk to concentrate, you know, they're a big herd animal and they're like, Hey, there's food over there. They don't care if it's 15 miles away, they head for it. Deer, hunker down it's harder to feed the deer because it's harder to get them all to concentrate so a lot of times on these winter feeding sites you know they're they're still missing a lot of deer that that aren't getting in there and so there's pros and cons to it i, I honestly dude i'm I'm kind of 50 50 on it so you know i i, I think we should feed them if it's going to help in certain places it does i know in, in in cache valley in northern utah they think it helps you know keeping deer off the, the highways and keeping them where they're supposed to be and you know, they have a special proprietary feed that they feed them because they say you can't feed them alfalfa, which every deer around here, dude, when we don't feed them is eating off an alfalfa haystack. So I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know the science enough to argue that or, or, or support it, but I'm glad they're feeding them. Let's at least try it. And um, I w- really would love to get the data, get get somebody on the podcast. You know, it's probably going to be Northern Utah because, you know, they're. They have an emergency feeding criteria where they will feed them, and, and they should have data on that too. And even going back to the hard winter of Gunnison in 2007, you know, they fed deer, and um, yeah, there's got to be some data out there on it. But in Idaho, it's pretty controversial. They don't like to do it unless they have to. Um, um, so that that's really what I know about it. So what you're saying, what I'm hearing is, not only are elk the best looking animal. <laughs> Not only the, the best tasting animal, I mean, one could argue bison for North American. They're also the most versatile animal. And the mule deer are more like wild sheep. They're kind of weak. Is that what I hear? I can't really argue with you, dude. The elk are pretty much kicking their butts right now. As far as taste, oh, dude, I'm all over that one, dude. Venison, but the way I do it, I, I, if I age venison 21 days, dry age it, and I age elk 21 days, they're both really good, but I have a preference for, for the venison. <laughs> Dude, are you throwing up so, in your mouth? So being – okay, so <clears throat> there's a there's a good possibility that Robbie Denning shot an elk this year. 
And you're trying to tell me that if you age both of them for 21 days or whatever your I'm gonna be your your moldy experiment is, that they both taste the same. No, I didn't say that, dude. Don't put words in my mouth. Okay, you're saying the venison is better. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, Go they ahead. both benefit from it. I will say elk, elk will have a milder flavor. Let's let's just call it a weaker flavor. You know, it's just it's for weaker people that just cannot stand that bolder flavor of venison. So if I age them both 21 days, it helps them both. But I still have a, a, me because I can handle strong flavors, even though I don't have a beard. Um, they I think I think venison has a better flavor to it. It's just a bolder flavor. There's more there. There's more in my mouth. Or when I'm eating elk, it's like, is this beef? Is this pork? What is this? I'm not quite sure. I think I think when you say stronger, you mean rancid. <laughs> dude, no, 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 dude. I know where that comes from, dude. And I've, I, you know, my wife, dude. I, I she got ruined on deer, dude, because her dad, God rest his soul, I love the man, but dude, you know, he came from the generation, dude. When you drove out. You know, kind of west of Blackfoot here, you, you slammed a buck on the desert. You know, the, the sagebrush was 47 feet high. You know, it's basically antelope country out there. It's 80 degrees. And then you go to the coffee shop and with the buck in the back, and he may or may not be gutted. And you, you show him off for days at a time. Um, and this is after a long, long drag through the sagebrush and the, and the cow crap and everything. And then you try to feed it to your family. Um, it, it ends up crappy. And I think that's what turns up, turns off a lot of people. Well, we're elk, dude, you know, elk are, you know, now, you know, that they've basically ruined the high country, dude, they're moving into all the, the suburbs and everything. They are getting kind of more in traditional deer country, but dude, I, I, I get it. Elk live in big, pristine flat meadows. It's hard for them to hike. So they like flat stuff. And, you know, they, 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 they 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 are probably more likely to gut them when they when they kill them than where guys will just throw a mule deer in the back. So I think there's various various reasons for that that people have been turned off on mule deer. But if a mule deer is taken care of, I'll put it I'll put it against any elk. Well, I'll have to do a double blind taste test because I haven't. I will tell you this: the biggest deer mule deer I've ever shot was with you, and the worst tasting mule deer I ever shot was with you. <laughs> How long did you age it? Uh, I think it hung for two weeks. Yeah, dude, you must have done something wrong. You must have been out there peeing on it or something, dude, because that just that just does not jive. Tastes but, like I was gnawing on a sagebrush bush. Dude, I dude, I shot same big bucks in that same place, and I thought they were good. So so may, maybe we'll just leave it at it. It just gets down to your preference. Um, but as far as if I if if I actually did shoot an elk this year, and I'm not saying that I did, but if I did, dude, that kind of leads us into our next segment. How can I compare? elk and mule deer hunting if i don't shoot an elk once in a while i mean that that would be you know that that'd be pretty narrow that'd be like trying to like write a rock slide review on an optic and you've only ever tried one optic i couldn't agree more i'm waiting for the book hunting hunting big elk that's (laughs) i'm waiting for that book next it ain't gonna come from me (laughs) you should handle that you and tanya Uh, i uh i have a bad problem of shooting you know mediocre elk but i'm fine with that Hey, I saw you. Uh, who who got the cow elk a few weeks ago? Was um, you and Tanya were in the picture? Was that yours or Tanya? Well, we both shot one. Yep. All right, you both got one, dude. And I, dude, I love that that, that there's all these late cow elk hunts that so we're keeping the pressure on them. I I think it's great. And dude, I won't argue with you on that. Elk are doing really well right now. It's a good elk are stronger, and that that's that's the other thing about this winter. You know, got to finish this up, but but 
when we get these hard winters, because elk can handle winters better than deer, you know, they're taller, just like moose can handle winters better than elk. You know, they can get to more available browse and stuff like that. Dude, it just sets the deer back that much more, and it sets the elk ahead that much more, you know, because they, they come through it with strong numbers. The deer, the deer get knocked to the curb again. It takes them a while to to uh, to recover, and yet the elk, you know, they're just like, feed me. Man, I don't care if I get to the top of that 10,000-foot peak or I got to go down there and eat in that guy's garden. I'm going to eat. <laughs> yeah, they're like the coyote of ungulate. They are, dude. Uh, the – the elk thing is interesting because central, south central Idaho, they shot a lot of cows this year. So it'll be interesting to see if that helps the mule deer this year. Yeah. And I, that's another thing I'm kind of 50 50 on. I mean, I, 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 I don't know if, uh, I, I think elk hurt mule deer, especially on the, on the critical winter range. You know, they're a bigger animal. They're just going to outcompete them. Um, yeah. Oh, but there's definitely more elk in the West now and there's definitely less mule deer. Some people say that's just a, a symptom of the habitat changes and everything. Um, I don't know, but, um, I can't argue with you on the fact that they're, they're doing pretty good. It's a good time to be an elk hunter. So everybody that got a deer tag, Colorado, Idaho, Nevada, Montana, you should, you should just sit on them and you should go hunt cow elk this year. That's, that would be, that really would be my, my advice on hard winters is hunt more elk. I could not agree more. Just not where I'm at. Yeah. Well, you're all over, dude. It's hard to avoid you. Yes. I should have four bull tags and. That's, couple cow tags, so we should that's be. That's what I mean. <laughs> All right, dude. Let's move into our reviews. Yes, we're gonna do the 2022 Rockstaff top gear picks. But before you want to kind of go over, I know you had some notes on. We have. Um, we just want to touch on our basically our reviews, our review standards, our bias, non-biased, our integrity. Just kind of talk about how the process goes, not only to the actual reviewer, but actually the advertisers when they come on Rockslide, what's their expectation when you give them that contract to be an advertiser? Okay. Yeah. And, and this comes up on the, on the forums occasionally. And, um, you know, I think, I think we need to address it on the podcast because we obviously talk about, about gear on the podcast a lot. Okay. Obviously, Rockslide has sponsors. We have some of the best sponsors in the industry. Um, some of the top tier sponsors in every gear category, boots, optics, guns, uh, tents, clothing. I mean, you know, they, they kind of gravitate to Rockslide because there's a lot of people on Rockslide. Um, and, Many of them want to take out banner space on Rockslide. So they'll, they'll have an, you know, if you jump on Rockslide, doesn't matter if you go to our homepage where our articles are posted or if you go to our forums, you'll see banners that the sponsors are paying for to advertise product. Okay. And so, um, but if you look at our homepage, it's, it's 90% reviews. All right. That's really what Rockslide was founded on. This goes clear back to Aaron Snyder, David Long. Um, you know, they were, they were just big review guys. Um, and whether we like it or not, the hunting industry is funded by gear. All right. That's, that's where people spend their money. You know, every, every hunter has gear. Okay. And so, um, um, when, when, when we bring a sponsor on to rock slide, the first thing we do with, with our, with our agreement is if, if we're going to review any, any of their gear for them, um, we, they, they sign an agreement that says right on it, no favorable reviews are guaranteed. We, we let them know, look, it doesn't matter if you're a sponsor and you're buying our banner space. Um, if we do a review on your gear, we still get to say what we want. And, um, so a lot of people don't quite understand that. And, and 
sponsors do. Like a lot of times when, when sponsors get a hold of me, they're not trying to buy a review or anything like that. They're just, hey, do you guys want to use our gear? What do you think of it? And a lot of them know our reputation of, of doing head-to-head you know, gear reviews. Ryan will talk about the scope test, drop test here in a minute. Or, you know, we're putting sponsor against sponsor and, and, and many times non-sponsors. You know, we just kind of throw it all in a hat and test it and see what comes out on top. Um, obviously, if they're a sponsor – you know, we're, we're making them publishing space. You know, we want to help them. They're making Rock Slide possible. They're making it so one of the biggest Western hunting forums can actually exist out there, okay? So, the, but, but the only favors that we really do them is we make sure that if, if, if they want gear reviewed, we get it into our riders' hands, okay? They don't have to go search out our riders and find them off. Somebody's got a boot review, like Lathrop and Sons right now. They've got a, they, they've just released a, a 4E mountain boot, which is, for you Shrek-footed people that are out there, that's pretty hard to find. That's pretty exciting news. And so the favor I do them, they buy banner space. They can advertise the boot in their banner. They can post on the forum. They can do all that kind of stuff. Um, but the favor I do for them is I try to go find a rider that 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 would have a good test bed for that product. So in this case of a boot, obviously he's got to have a wide foot. And then he needs some some good test bed coming up, some hunts, you know, preferably spring bear, something like that, so we can get a boot on him earlier. So so that that's what I do to help the sponsors. But once we send that gear out, it, the rider can say what they want. And I would challenge anybody. There's you go look at our look, look at our um, on our homepage. You'll see there's a, a drop down that says Rock Staff. Um, th- those are our those are our riders that are on Rock Slide. By staff, that just means they're 1099 subcontractors. These these guys are going to get the first shot at the gear reviews, stuff like that. You know, we help we we help them go to shows, you know, things like that. Um, but uh, talk to any of them. We do not influence their reviews. All right, I'm I'm the me and Justin are the editors at Rockslide. So the, let's just say like Tony Treach, he got the Magview gear last summer. We just sent that to him, and we also sent it to Kyle Virgin and said. Okay, guys, test the MagView gear. We we want your thoughts. We didn't even talk to him after that. We didn't talk to him again until the gear came back or the review came back, and then we we posted kind of a dual review. Tony did some video on it. Kyle did a written review on it. They didn't even really work together on it. They just these are our thoughts. These were our experiences. And yeah, because we don't test lame gear on Rockslide, we purposely avoid lame gear. Ryan, how many how many guest post requests did you get this week for people that would probably pay us money if we would let them post on our homepage? I've gotten two in the last twenty four hours. Okay, yeah, I was gonna say, and I've gotten two in the last. What is it? Wednesday? I've gotten two. Um, uh, dude, we could make a lot more money just saying, "Oh yeah, you bet, man. We'll we'll post we'll, we'll we'll give you space on there. Just pay us. We don't do it that way. We we send it to the writers, and then the writers get to say what they want, and then we publish the review. Something else people don't know unless you're on a forum a lot. We don't let the sponsors read the reviews before they go up. Right? That that we'd never have done that. The only exception I've ever made to that is if it's a really um um specy review there's a lot of technical to it and i'm afraid it maybe if you know when i read it maybe some things don't make sense you know because you know we make mistakes i've made mistakes in my reviews before that's the great thing about digital publishing is you can go back and fix them later so there's been times i've you know sent a paragraph to a sponsor and say hey is 
did we do this right on this on this um on this on this um tracking test for this scope and no 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 that's not 36 mils it's 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 24 you know stuff like that we'll take input on that but as far as the riders they're protected they they can say what they want so you can talk to any of our riders and you just go ahead and ask them on the street you know how, how much how much pressure do you get from robbie or justin or ryan on these reviews i think you'll find that it's none um now there are some, uh, when I said our riders are third party, that means they're unaffiliated with the companies. Um, there are some exceptions to that. Now, obviously, me and Ryan are not unaffiliated, okay? Um, because, you know, we're, they're, they're sponsoring our website. Yeah, there's, 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 you know, they're buying banner space. They're not buying reviews. They're buying banner space. Um, obviously, we're not third party. But go look at our reviews, too. All right. Just just we'll just let them stand for themselves. And I do the same thing that my writers try to do is I point out the good and the bad. And if there's any ugly, I try to say that, too, um, because we have a high standard on what gear we're going to review. That's why I brought up Ryan on on people hitting you up to you know post on our site and everything that are non sponsors. Dude, I turn away crappy gear all the time. I remember last year there was a company um, uh, from another country that was just telling me how great their rangefinder was and you know they kept sending me stuff on it they wanted to send me one they wanted to sponsor the site dude this rangefinder was a piece of crap the only testimonials they had was from golfers and um you know they were just trying to get into the hunting space and i'm not going to go waste my, my reviews typically from not the field testing at all i'm talking about when i sit down at the computer and you know do my pictures do my video write them dude it's six to eight hour process i am not gonna waste that on some piece of crap you know walmart battery powered sock i'm just not gonna do it um so so we're we're screening for good gear that we want to use and ryan i was gonna let you kind of chime in here because a lot of times you will call me because of what you've seen on the site and tell me we need we need to review this piece of gear, whether it's a sponsor or not. Tell everybody how that kind of comes together. Oh, I just see an item that's, you know, A, from a reputable manufacturer, and I just think that we need to jump on the review, and it doesn't have to be a sponsor. They don't have to be an ad. I call them like advertisers because they're paying us to put an ad on our site. They're not buying anything else from us. But if there's something else out there, say, if you go to, like, our front page, there's probably, I think you talked about yesterday, there's like 13 or 14 things that are totally non non-advertiser product that we're reviewing yep and, yep we're gonna, i'll give that too yep and we're another thing i want to kind of get into is i would love love for the public to see and i wouldn't say heated debates but we get into some very good debates with the manufacturers that actually pay us money about what sometime what goes on in those reviews and to a review unless i'm mistaken robert you can back this up we have not changed one review in the lifetime of rock slide is that correct Lifetime of Rock Slide. I've been editing since 2014. Um, Cooper was doing it before that. I can't think of one review that we pulled due to negative press. Um, we pulled um, we pulled a review because it was a prototype and it wasn't close enough to what the final product was. I can't even remember what it was. But um, when we pulled that, we also had a forum explaining exactly why we why we pulled it and what was going to happen. Yeah, but we just exactly. didn't yank it off, and it was just gone forever into a black hole. But Ryan, I can't think of anything we've pulled, unless I'm just oh. forgetting something. But but I've never pulled anything because there was blowback from a sponsor. No, uh, Zach, Zach Harold's nine uh, uh, the, the 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 bow test he just did. I, I want to say there was nine bows in it, but that might have been his backpack test. 
I did get blowback from one sponsor, but it wasn't about pulling it. It was like, hey, we didn't feel like the explanation in there. I don't even remember back wall or whatever. We didn't feel like that was that was explained properly. Well, it was in a video. It was it was it was too late to change. And the sponsor even said, nah, not a big deal. We just wanted to let you know that 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 could have been a better job. And so but so we still didn't pull it. Um, so I think that answers your question that, no, we don't we don't pull reviews. Something would have to be extreme. You know, there'd have to be lies in it or something for us for us to pull a review. And, Ryan, as you know, I don't want to mention any names because, you know, we're all people. We got good and bad sides. We have sponsors on Rockside now that have pulled out before because they didn't have good, favorable reviews on Rockside. We just shook hands and went the other way. And eventually, you know, things change. People come back. We've got some of those sponsors back, too. Um and so anyways, that's that's kind of how that, that's not even kind of that's really how we go about the reviews. I look at rock slide reviews as we want to get the conversation started. And this is this goes back to what I said in the beginning about about the podcast. We're not the know it all end all on 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 anything. We, we really aren't. And, and, and that's really the power of rock slide is the members, the millions of people that are posting on rock slide um, or, or at least lurking. Um, we have 60. 2,000 members, I think, of, as of this morning. So those are the people that are actually posting. There's a lot of knowledge there for us to draw from. And so a lot of times our reviews are just to get the conversation started. Like like you mentioned, um, you mentioned Stone Glacier. They've got a new glove system that just came out. Dude, they stole my idea, Ryan. You remember, dude, how you always saw me with those 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 army wool glove liners on, and then I would have a, a an oversized ski glove, and I would pull it on over it so that I had a two-layer glove system. Have you, yep. you seen that when we've hunted together? Yes. Yeah. Dude, Stone Glacier just came out with five gloves and I've been teasing them on it um, and, and they didn't really steal it from me, but I'm going to tell them they did um, uh, um, a five glove system where you can take these apart. You know, anything from merino liners to polypropylene, um, you know, don't quote me on the on the exact products that are in there. But anyways, so I would love to do a review on that just to get the conversation going on the benefit of a glove you can take apart like a pack boot there in, in, in the boot world. It's a game changer when you can take your boot apart at night. So I and, and that's why I've always had a liner system in my gloves. And so if we do a review on that, yeah, Stone Glacier is a sponsor. They're not paying us for that review. They're buying ad space on Rockside. But Ryan will Ryan a lot of times will notice, hey, there, there's chat on the forum about this. Reach out to those guys and let's test it. And so that that's where a lot of our reviews come from. But whoever I give that to, they can still say what they want. If they're like, hey man, the 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 fastener ripped off the one that you, you hooked the gloves together that ripped off we're going to say that in the review um there are some exceptions to the third party unaffiliated statement though um and we we have some uh, some of our some of our staff members are also on staff with some companies and so let's talk let's talk about jerry bloomgren um he is a big cryptic guy loves cryptic you will hardly find him on any hunt without cryptic on all right and but if you Jared is on our staff because you said this once, Ryan, and I think you're right. Per tag hunted, Jared is punching the most tags of anybody on our staff. Is that, is that still fair to say? Correct, and I do believe he has the biggest bull elk in the staff at over 400 inches, public he land. Does. A public land DIY elk. He's a real hunter. He's a real dude, and he's you know he's real humble and everything. If you don't know his name, that's why, because he's he's real humble. But he's a killer on the staff. Well, he chooses Cryptic because he likes it, and, and you know, Cryptic is a sponsor, but you know, 
huge line of gear in Cryptic and going way back, you know, like, you know, they're a what, 12 year old company, something like that. I mean, they make everything, you know, from fleece to, you know, high performance outerwear, rain gear, you know, tough stuff. I've used a lot of it. I reviewed a lot of it. It's solid stuff. It's as solid as anything out there in the industry. Um, they just give their products funny names. And so it's hard to tell, tell you what they are. Like their sleeping bag has changed from Calicia to Kilsia just in the year they've had it released. Um, but anyways, back to Jared. Um, when Jared does a cryptic review, the reason we'll publish those, because there's nobody better to talk about cryptic than Jared because he's worn every product in the line. But consequently, you won't get on, on there and find Jared saying, hey, my cryptic is way better than my than the Sitka and da-da-da. No, no, he's just, he's just highlighting the gear, kind of what I said, getting the conversation going about cryptic. And I guarantee if you looked at if you could see in his PM box on Rockslide, that's that's what people are asking about. Hey, dude, I saw, you know, you've, you, you've reviewed the altitude line. You've reviewed the, the Velus, you know, he's done them all. Um, no better guy to get on there and talk about cryptic than him. But, and, but consequently we let people know that we've never hidden that. Of course, Jared's on the, on the cryptic staff. You won't see Jared do a cryptic versus, um, stone glacier clothing review. We wouldn't even accept it. It wouldn't be fair. We wouldn't do that. We're not dumb. Okay. Um, uh, and then um, uh, other writers that are affiliated. Now, the other thing, too, Jared doesn't just focus on cryptic. He will he did the Montana Bosling for us last year. That's a third-party unaffiliated review. We just sent the Bosling to Jared. We, no, no expectations. Just here, Jared. We want you to use it. Submit us a review. And he did. Um, if you look at uh, uh, Les, um, uh, Les Welch. Uh, big Matthews guy, always has been. He could shoot any bow in the industry. Um, he loves Matthews. And so his bow reviews are only about Matthews. They're not head-to-head bow reviews. And so the great the great thing about having a bow in, in Les's hands, a Matthews bow, is he can tell me what's different about this bow versus this one in their line or the one that came out two years ago. And I'll, I'll give you an example right now. Um, he's done their... Um, uh, um, uh, their Matthews has funny names on their bows too. They name them really close together. V3X, VX3. I, I get them all mixed up. Um, Les has uh, reviewed all those bows the last two years, right? When they come out right in November, he's, he's, he gets us a review up by, uh, you know, January. In fact, Les, Les, you're late on the phase four. It's time to get it up. And I know he's been hunting with the phase four. That's the one that just came out. So I'm looking for a new bow this year and, um, I don't get a free bow from Matthews. I can get a writer's discount, but I don't get a free bow. And I thought, you know, I've heard a lot of good things about them. Um, uh, got a hold of them. They told me, Hey, here's, here's what you can do. You know, you can save 30, 40% on a writer's discount. Um, but the first person I called was Les. Like, Les, what do you think, man? I'm, I'm, I'm a short, stubby guy, short draw length, 27 and a half inch draw length. Um, and um, I, I ride horses a lot. I like a short uh, axle to axle so I can sling the bow over my back. Um, you know, I don't want to have to tie it to my pack every time I get on and off the horse. I just want to sling it and go. Um, phase four. He said, dude, I've shot them all. I really think for what you do, the phase 429 that comes out this year, that that's a good bow for you. So, when we publish a review from Les, we're not hiding it that, yeah, he's a big Matthews guy, but there's no better guy to talk about Matthews than Les. But if we want a head-to-head bow review, we just did one with, with Zach Harold. In fact, uh, part two is about to publish. Oh, my gosh. Bows I hadn't even heard of, Ryan. 
um, were in there. And then, you know, some of our sponsor bows, Matthew sent him a bow. Uh, Hoyt's a sponsor too. You know, a lot of Hoyt shooters on Rockslide. Um, they sent us a bow. Um, I'd have to pull it up in front of me. I have six, seven, eight bows that are in there. Um, Zach just receives the bows and does a head to head on them. Well, that's great. That's, I mean, that's about as unbiased as you can get. He's using all the bows. He's not on any of their pro staffs or anything like that. Okay. So, so, um, if we have an affiliated writer with the company, we're going to say it. Um, every th- review that we do is linked to our forum. Um, and that, that's like the ultimate in transparency because a lot of people can put a review out there. And if nobody can comment on it, you know, it's just on some random web page out there or social media, their own social media, and they can block any negative comments on there. Um, you know, how unbiased can that be? Man, we put it on the forum. And Ryan, how often do we have to delete a comment on a, on a review that we've put on our forum. Man, you're still in my thunder. Um, that, that hardly ever, like we don't go in and it's not like we don't have people that, that are very, very hardcore gear guys. And very often we have debates and we have people asking us questions, but rarely does it get to where we pull any reviews. We've ne- I don't know of any review or any forum post on a forum review or on a article review that we pulled. I can't think of it either. If I've deleted any comments, they've either been very nasty or very unfair. Um, I, I remember when Kenetrek was a sponsor, there was a guy on there. Uh, dude, I wore my Kenetrek hard scrabbles like for two years and do no leaks. They were awesome. Dude, this guy was on there saying, oh, mine leaked in two weeks and you know all this stuff. And, and that can happen. We're not saying that can't happen. But, dude, when we would ask him about it, like, well, did you get a hold of him? Dude, just no answers. It was like he was just dive bombing in. He would, you know, he must have had a bad experience or hated somebody there or whatever. Um, I took those comments down because those were unfair, and he refused to get back on and clarify. Like, what do you mean? You, you know, thirty days you got a leak in a pair of Kenetrex. That doesn't make sense. That's either a defe- that's a defective boot they're going to stand behind, or you stepped in a creek over your ankles and you're not willing to tell us. That's about the only time we clean those comments up. And on a lot of our reviews, we'll put stuff up and people will be like, man, that wasn't my experience. You know, thanks for sharing. This is why I don't don't agree. That's fine. That's what Rockside's all about. And that's why, that's why I think our reviews are some of the best in the industry because we invite that, those 60,000 million or 60,000 members and those millions of lurkers in to, to, to come in and, 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 and read on these. And if they, if they want to comment, they can. Those, that's an open platform uh, for them to do it. I can't think of anywhere else that does that to the level that we've done. Ryan, you told me one time, how many reviews have we put up in, in the last 10 years? I don't know if you've counted it lately. No, it's it, – well, last time I – well, it's been a bit, but it was like 1,200. Yeah. Exactly. Not counting. This is the other thing. This is the next level of 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 um, I don't want to say unbiased. Um, this is the next level of credibility that we have. Dude, you think we've posted a lot of reviews? Do you know how many reviews our members have posted uh, just on the forum? If we have twelve hundred, they have twelve thousand. Is that an exaggeration, Ryan? No, I would say that's a very low end. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, they're they're. They're doing their own reviews on there, and um, and we 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 get, we get into little headbutts with you know people that don't want to buy any advertising space on the site and they want to you know put their rep on there and you know he posts articles and we don't we don't allow that that's not fair that's I I can't go on someone's YouTube channel and post our videos okay um, but any any member that's unaffiliated with the company. You know, we just let them post. And, you know, as long as it's fair and honest, that's fine. And and we've we've had I don't think 
we probably have had a sponsor complain about posts. I'm sure we have. I just can't think of any right now. But for the most part, we haven't had to pull many threads on people railing on someone's gear unless we were just able to prove. Like, I, I remember one that this, this customer that was, that was railing on it, I got a hold of the company and they're like, I can show you all the notes from customer service with this guy going back like four years. And it didn't jive with what he was putting on the forum. It did not. It, he was lying. He was making his own case. And I don't even think we put that, took that down. We, we, but we rebutted it. You know, we, we said, Hey, this isn't what's lining up. And so anyways, with, with members posting stuff on, on the forum, um, all the time, you're, you're getting, you know, our third party reviews, reviews for me and Ryan. We try to be as fair as possible. And then, um, um, with the members, I don't think you can find a resource that's going to give you more more unbiased reviews. Or sometimes I hate the word unbiased because I'm not sure any of us on the planet are truly unbiased because we have what we like. Um, but let's just call them low bias. Let's just talk, talk, <laughs> call them this. We're trying to give, us, give give the reader as fair of a shake as we can. I would agree. And if you want to see the simplest form of that, go check out our scope evaluation. Um, we have a guy that. He is very, I would say, one of the most unbiased people I've ever met. That's why I asked him to do what he was doing. Has a lot of education in firearms, and um, he does a drop test. And it's a 50-50 split on the actual forum when he does these drop tests, the people that like it and people that hate it. Because you start dropping a granddaddy's old rifle scope, and it doesn't pass, people's hackles come up. But if you go on there, you can see no... To my knowledge, there's one up-and-comer that he's testing right now, but none of the advertisers have passed the drop test. There's three scopes that have – our advertisers that have scopes that have been tested have not. So that is the most unbiased as you can possibly get. And not only that, you can talk about it. If you disagree with us, you can go on the forum, and there are a lot of people that disagree with us. So go check out those scope evaluations. Yeah, and, and, and what's his screen name? It's a really, I call them form, but it's, I don't even know how to say it. It's like formaldius. Formaldius or something. Yeah, yeah. But, and it's a big old, long, all alphabet name. Gotcha. And where can they find um, our, our, our drop test? Uh, it's in the long range, hunting, oh. yep, long range Hunting Forum, and it's under Scope Evaluations. Okay, so go on Rockside, go on the forum, go down to the Long Range Forum. Is it pinned at the top? Yep. It's a long range. We call it the sub forum. The forum is the main page where all the sub forums are sheep hunting, um, optics, long range hunting. Click on the long range sub sub forum, jump in there, look at the scope drop test. And Ryan, if I heard you right, because dude, I haven't followed it as much. I never drop my scope. So, um, I, I have liar. <laughs> dude, every year I drop my scope. Um, but I haven't followed as uh, very closely. Um, if I understood you, you said we have three rock slide advertisers that are uh in that that their scopes failed i don't know we only have no it's we only have three scopes scope companies that have passed all of our advertisers to this point have failed but there's one that's (laughs) that's coming that is i think is going to pass as an advertiser but i don't want to say anything yet till we're 100 percent sure but the thing about that is he does the evaluation he posts it in the forum he, you can do a Q&A in the forum, and I always say this, and you can agree with what we do. You can not agree. It's basically, we report, you decide. And if you don't agree with us, you can comment, and we're not going to take it down. I mean, that's the truest form of a review is not only do we do the review, we take the feedback from the review and give back answers. So we're not hiding anything. 
Yeah, there's not. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. As long as you don't get nasty, because we're still a PG-13 site, even though yeah. Ryan's on there. If you start dropping F-bombs and well, you know how it is, it's just like in our political, you know, in the United States right now. If you start calling people names, the actual yeah. debate ends right then. It's then you're just picking camps and nothing's learned, doesn't go forward. The post comes to a screeching halt as far as good information. And all you have is a back and forth between two little kids. You got it. So that, that, that is, so we, we, we do reserve the right to moderate so that we can have an adult conversation. So, okay, Ryan, yeah. I think we covered that, dude. Um, so let's jump in. Um, I want, I want to cover our homepage real quick before we get to the rock staff, uh, uh, picks for 2022. Right now, if you go to our homepage, our homepage is rockslide.com. All right. Our forums is rockslide.com forward slash forums. If you go to the homepage, the homepage is, is essentially a digital magazine. All right. That's where we post these articles that we keep talking talking about and then they're linked back to the forum. I just did a sample yesterday. There um on our homepage right now there are 12 gear related articles on there. 8 of them are associated with sponsors, 4 are not. 10 were written by staff, 2 by members completely unaffiliated with anything that we do. They're not on our staff, they're not a moderator. These are members that have answered our Writers' guidelines that are posted in our general discussion forum that have reached out to me and said, "Hey, I've tried this piece of gear and I've tried this piece of gear. You know, I would like to write about it. If if we think it's pertinent and 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 they can handle the English language, we'll accept the review and we'll even pay them for the review." Um, and uh, um, uh, so there, there were two two completely unaffiliated writers on there, um, and I, I want to name them. It was the Forge Carbon stock review that we did, Ryan. Uh, Forge is not a sponsor um that was by torin miller um uh, good good review on there everything he learned about that and then the other one i gotta think here it's right here uh the 6.8 western cartridge that was your friend that did that ryan jesse werner great article great article why did you why did you invite him to write an article for rockside Oh, the 6.8 Western's kind of a, it's a polarizing cartridge. It's a 270, so you know, as you well know, people love to hate the 277 caliber. So I wonder. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's, it's 270. I, was, I shot my first couple elk with the 270s. So anyways, it was a cal- caliber that, uh, I don't know, just needed a little love, and I thought it would, you know, bring up some drama. And if you go read the actual forum, that's, again, this is a perfect example of people not agreeing on a forum review, and it's all played out in the forums. It's pretty cool. Right, and 6.8 is a proprietary cartridge by who? Who, who invented it? I can't remember. Um, I believe it's uh, Winchester. Winchester. Okay, gotcha. And he he talks about Browning rifles in there. We just gave him the floor. And Browning is and and, and Winchester, they are not sponsors. All right. Okay. So we we don't just feature sponsor gear, all right? So uh, uh, two unaffiliated writers in there, and then the article Ryan and I are, are just about to go through here. Um, I'll give you the give you the stats from it. Um, there are 29 products featured in our 2022 best of Rockslide reviews. There are 29 products. 15 of them are from non-sponsors. 15 of them, all right? More than half are from people we will probably never get a dollar from. We did the products because we feel like our members can benefit in knowing about this product, all right? 
So that means 14 of them were sponsor products. That doesn't mean they sponsored the review. That just means that they supply the gear and I gave it to a writer and, and, and Ryan and I have some in here too. So, you know, ours are in there, but I think, you know, you'll see, I have a gear fail in there from a sponsor. I, we said what we wanted. Okay. Um, out of those 29 products, there were something new we did this year. We started including gear failures. So if a, if, if a piece of gear failed you, we wanted you to talk about that in there. So there were seven uh, gear fails in there. And of those seven, two of them were from sponsors. So if we're biased towards sponsors, we should not be telling people about when their gear fails, but we still do. Uh, Ryan has a saying, he tells to all sponsors, get better, get better, just get better. Innovate, work hard, get better, because someone else is going to get better too. Yeah, you can't hide this day and age, so get better. No secrets. All right, let's jump into that, Ryan. Um, you want to go first? Yeah, I'm at the top. But first, I want if you go to the if you go to the homepage and you go down to the uh, I think it's on our editor's gear picks. You can find the article really quick on the homepage, and it is 2022 Rockstaff top gear picks. First, first uh, gear piece that I have. First, I want to go to the picture. My wife shot that cow elk. She's super hot, but I want to point out the beard. The beard is freaking awesome. It's not a perm beard. It's just natural how that beard lays. Dude, I'm just thankful that lice cannot migrate through a screen. That's I'll leave it at that. Oh, it's that beard is a panty dropper, just so you know. Um, Dude, what's that big thing on the end of Tanya's gun? That is it's a suppressor. It's an AB suppressor. It's ribbed. It's weird. Well, they say it's ribbed for ear pleasure. Ear pleasure. Okay. Oh, I saw that at the expo. Yeah. Okay. So, anyway, I don't want to derail your pick, but that's. I also put on there that none of the stuff that we have on outside of Tanya's Sitka pants are from a sponsor. I just wanted to put that out there. Oh my um, gosh. I'm looking at that. Yeah. I, you don't. Yep. Because yep. we, we, you have to, if you're going to talk about gear, you got to try all kinds of gear, not just, you know, particular brands. You got to try big genres. So, anyways, active insulation, you know, you have the Sitka Ambient, you have the, uh, I believe the other one from Sitka also is their Arrow Headline. I think it's discontinued. Anyways, it's all the hype right now. Um, I tried, I can't remember the name of the jacket Sitka had beginning. I tried that jacket. I'm, I'm not exactly, as Aaron Snyder says, a set of car keys. I'm not a light little, you know, meek person. So I sweat a lot. For some reason, I want to talk to John Barklow. The, the Sitka Ambient jacket doesn't work for me, how they, they claim it works. And I'm not disagreeing with anybody online because a lot of people love it. But this jacket from Outdoor Research is called the Vigor Plus Fleece Hoodie. To me, it breathes better than the Sitka, Sitka Ambient, and it out, also dries out to me faster. So that was my number one gear pick. Um, you can get it at Outdoor Research, obviously. Again, not a advertiser on Rockslide. The but, second, but Sitka is, and you Sitka just is. chose Outdoor Research over Sitka. Yeah, and I don't get me wrong, we love Sitka. Tanya loves Sitka, but I like the best. Anybody that tells me, you know, they're head to toe in any camo brand that tells me that that camo brand is the best, I disregard them because how do they know? They're they're only wearing one camo brand. You got to wear them all before you start making bold statements. Mm -hmm. um, anyways, going on to the next one is actually an advertiser, and it's the Maven B5 uh, 18, 18 by 56. I don't know why other companies. I think Vortex has a set. I have not looked through them. They do. Yep. I don't know why other companies don't go to an 18 because I, I've had the 15s, the SLC's great pair of binoculars, but that 3X power to me is a game changer. They're a little heavy, but man, every time I take them, 
especially if I'm scouting. I scouted a lot of deer this year. Um, and man, they're because you love them, dude. Oh, I had some good deer this year, and they were, you know how it is, Rob. You have BTX and you have 15s. That two eyes is where it's at when you're doing tons and tons of glassing when you're out scouting. And uh, those 18s. God knew what he was doing when he gave us two eyes, not one. Yes, sir. Those two 15s. Anyways, those 18s are they're fantastic, and I. I don't want to pack them because they are heavy, so I end up carrying three pairs of optics because you always want a spotter, and every time I get them out, I'm like, dang, I'm glad I packed these out. So that is the end of mine. I didn't really have – I have some gear, gear failures, but um, I'll leave them for next year. So you're up, okay. Rob. Sounds good. I'm next on here. Um, my, one of my top picks was the Red Kettle Quick Release Rifle Sling. Um, they came on as a sponsor last summer. Um, Danish uh, company. Cool guy. Uh, seven, seven by 64. Um, he's on Rock Slide. Um, and they also make that Red Kettle jacket you may have seen out there. I think it's like an oiled canvas jacket. But anyways, the sling. I, I really wanted to try the sling because um, I, I cross-carry my rifle a lot. I'm into ultralight rifles, you know, horses, uh, lots of hiking in 30, 40-degree slopes. Um, and uh, so I cross-carry my rifle across both shoulders, not just one shoulder because you just can't keep them on your shoulder when you're in really steep stuff well the problem with uh, a traditional sling is it's it's only one length and so to cross carry it's really really tight and um when you go to take it off it man it's caught up in your binoculars it's, it's really hard to get off you could lengthen it but i also do shoulder carry too so when i shoulder carry if it's if it's too long it's hanging down too low it's catching on everything red kettle uh put a buckle on theirs so that you can instantly add I don't remember, six, eight inches with the pull of a tab, and it lengthens the sling out. Go read the review. You'll see how it works. I loved it because I could do a cross carry, um, keep my rifle nice and snug, but when I went to pull it, I could just pull that tab, and the rifle would clear my binoculars and my hat, and I could get it off quickly. And second count, seconds count when you're hunting big mule deer. Um, so I, I really liked that. Um, then jumping down to my gear fail, Another case in point, and by the way, this article came out January 14th, so this whole thing we're talking about reviews, this wasn't just to cover this Rockstaff article. This is how we've been for 12 years. My gear fail, the Red Kettle Quick Release Rifle Sling. I broke it, all right? So what did I do? Well, I was sitting on the ground, and I, I had it cross-carry, and, you know, when you sit down, you're kind of short and stubby. You expand a little bit. Well, the sling was really, really tight. And I was leaning down kind of in a glassing position. And I was just going to sit there for a second. And I can't remember. I decided I liked the hillside I was looking at. And I thought, well, I'm going to take my rifle off. So I tried to pull it off from a seated position. And because my rib cage was expanded and I was sitting on the ground, um, the, it was really tight. And so I, I gave her hell. I thought, I'm, I'm just, here's a rock slide test. I pulled it. I broke the tab. And I actually didn't break the the plastic. Um, um, I can't remember what type of plastic that's called. It's what almost everything's made out of now. Um, uh, I, I want to say polyurethane, but it's uh, I think it starts with a U. But whatever it was, I didn't break the plastic. I broke the metal tab off of it. And what I did is I, I, sheer, I sheared the, the tabs off of it and bent the metal out so that it wouldn't attach. Oh, I thought, great. You know, here I am, five miles in the backcountry, got four more days to go, and a screwed up rifle sling. Well, the good news was, is it's not a two-piece rifle sling. It adds that distance in there with that, that six to eight inches that I'm talking about. And if the if you can't clasp the buckle, you can um, you can still use the sling, but it's longer. 
Okay. So I got back, got a hold of Red Kettle, said, Hey man, I broke this thing. And I believe this guy because I've worked with him a lot. He says, you're the first, first person that's ever broke one. Um, uh, we've had some people wear them out. We've never had, had people break one. And, you know, when I explained what happened, he said, yeah, they're just not made for that much force. Sent me another one. I hunted the rest of the fall, um, uh, and never broke it again. So, um, that was my gear fail, but it still made the, the, the top picks because it's such a functional strap. Um, so watch for those. Um, then, uh, one other thing I did was the Zeiss SFL 10 by 40. Um, Zeiss has really been, uh, up in their line of semi-compact binoculars. They keep saying compact. That's not really fair. If you think of a compact as a binocular, you slip in your shirt pocket. It's, it's not that. They're more like a, a small framed binocular. Um, and I did their, um, their SF. 8 by 32 and 10 by 32 last summer in a head to head. And then this summer I did their SFL 10 by 40. Um, it's about the same size as, as the 32s, but you get a 40 millimeter. Um, and, um, Zeiss doesn't give me these for free. If I want them, I have to buy them at a writer's discount. I bought the eight by, or the 10 by 32 last summer. It's my first pair of 10 pair of binoculars I ever bought. Uh, the downside on them was there was no quarter adapter. So, um, I couldn't mount them to a tripod very easily. But when this new SFL came out, they included a quarter adapter. Good job, Zeiss. So, um, with the extra eight millimeters on the, uh, objective, um, it's a brighter binocular. The, the clarity's not as good. They don't have the resolving power of the, of the smaller one, but we sold the smaller ones and, um, I, I bought these 10 by forties. I love them. I'm still an eight guy for when I'm still hunting, but I like tens for scouting, especially since they, um, amount to a tripod. Ryan, you want to take, uh, the oh, ambient? Holy, you are, I will say you're very detailed. Dude, I'm probably going too long. Sorry. I just love gear. Dude, we're only at an hour, 38 minutes. Um, but dude, we've been offline for 90 days. That is true. So I guess we're giving their money's worth. Uh, Justin Crosley, he's our gear, or he's our, what do you, he's our editor? Assistant editor? Yeah, assistant editor, man. Uh, uh, we, we abbreviate it. Instead of assistant editor, it's ASS dot editor. That's what we call him. <laughs> All right. He See, this is the great thing about Rockslide. He went with the Sidka ambient jacket, and I, I did not. So obviously different approaches, different views. Justin, Justin is, quite a bit skinnier than me, so there could be something to that. Um, he said, this is his favorite new clothing piece of the year. The breathability, warmth, and packability are better than anything I've ever tried before. And um, I don't know if he has a review on it or he just is linking to the website. I think he just linked to their website, yeah. Some of these are not full reviews that we've done. It's just gear that we liked. Yeah, the, the thing about the Sitkin, I like what Sitka is, in my opinion, one of the forefront, not only in the hunting industry, but also the outdoor industry for clothing. People used to always say, you know, you got to buy outdoor clothing, non-hunting clothing to get good backpacking, good hunting clothing. And a lot of, you know, Sid Kakuya, Cryptic, um, First Light, they're all pushing, they're all starting to push into that space as far as innovation, in my opinion. So anyways, that's a Sidka ambient jacket from Justin. His second pick is, and I cannot argue this pick, is the Swarovski NL Pure 12 by 42 binoculars. He says they are incredible for long-range glassing distances, but also have a wide field of view. For short distances, the optic quality is simply excellent. Read Matt Cashel's review here, and obviously Matt does great reviews, so go check that out. I have a pair of 12 by 42s and if I somebody had told me that they were going to beat the ELs, if a company was going to beat the ELs, the 12 by 50s that I have, I'd have called them a liar, but uh, 
Swarovski said, hold my beer, and they improved upon it. Have you looked through those, Robbie? I have. Uh, I've looked in some 10s that uh, uh, Travis Hobbs has, and um, if they had a range finder in them, I'd be all over them. But they don't have a range finder, so I give up a little bit of resolving power, and I stay with my EL ranges. There is nothing wrong with those EL ranges either. They are great. Yep. All right. Uh, do his gear failure. The gear, uh, gear failure is the Garmin Instinct Solar. He says, I have worn the Garmin Instinct Solar every day for the last few years, and it has been great, except earlier last year, the solar charging quit working. The watch still works, and I like using it, but it's a real bummer the solar charger quit, and now I have to plug it in every 20 days or so. And I have the same watch, and that is a bummer because I can get, no doubt, and I live in a place with very little sun. Uh, I feel like a troll up here, but the uh, it can go 30 to 40 days, uh, my watch, with the solar power, so... That definitely is a fail. Yeah. Uh, still, though, 20 days, first world problems. Well, yeah, you take an iWatch. You know, I love Mac, but I, iWatches are they're a day. As I think you bought one for your wife, and they are a day at best. So yeah. getting 20 days is a lot. Yep, it still is, even though it was a fail. Um, we're pretty picky at Rockslide about our gear. Um, Matt Cashel, he's our optics writer, kind of our original optics writer on Matt, and it's, it's because he hangs out on the bird forums. And hunters, just admit it, the birders kill us um, uh, They on reviews. They they, they get down into the nitty-gritty. Matt, bring, Matt brings a lot of that over to Rockslide for us, so we love love reading his reviews. But this one isn't actually about an optic. It's a, the Wiser Precision Nighthawk Ultralight Panhead. By the way, not a sponsor either. This is a, a piece of gear Matt likes. And, um, uh, that, and that's why it's on here. We make no money off of these. Uh, this head provided plenty of support for my spotters and binos and gave my youngest son a steady rifle to shoot his first bull elk. Pretty tough to beat, even in its heavy 6.1-ounce configuration. And then he has a full review on it if you want to uh, uh, see more. I saw that uh, head at the expo, and it, it is a pretty sweet head. It's, it's pretty minimalist. Uh, it is 6 ounces. To me, that's still pretty light, but um, good, solid head. The next one was the Argali Serac uh, knife. Uh, this thing is a revelation after you quartered a bull for the fourth or fifth time this year and insisted, instead of hauling out a pile of dull, broken scalpel blades. You can touch up the edge of your Serac. Uh, S35 VN steel is impressive at 3.18 ounces. With the Kydex sheath, it doesn't weigh down the kill kit very much. Gear failure. Stinking scalpel blades. <laughs> I will still throw them in the kit for detail backup work, but man, I hate chasing those broke-off blade uh, tips through carcasses, and I, you know, I think he's talking about, you know, all, all brands of them. I, maybe they're all made by the same manufacturer. I don't know, but, but I, I love them and I hate them. I'm with Matt on that. You know, they, they are sharp, but boy, they are so easy to break. They are, and I actually have a real quick story. I was actually, you, you think you'd never run into somebody disposing uh, those blades badly, but I hiked into a spot. It was about four and a half miles, and I got in there. And I set up a tent, and I went to sit down, and there was two blades shoved into the dirt. So come on, people. We're better than that. Wow. Yeah, boy, that's dangerous. Absolutely. So Tony Treach, um, again, here's another Sitka item. His his first item is a Sitka Jetstream, and he says, The new Sitka Jetstream got more use this fall than any other jacket for me. I, I love the fit of the redesigned cut. And he has a link to that jacket. Um, I, I have the old Jetstream, and I – I actually wear it. I like wearing soft sh or, uh, soft shells when it actually is cold. So I'm not going to get it. If my if we do get precipitation, it's in the form of snow instead of rain. But uh, it is a great jacket, and I bet you they did improve on it. His second is the head heads up decoy. Uh, he says the heads up decoy made it possible to kill a buck in the plains on the ground this year. 
when there is literally zero grass or weeds because of the extreme drought. And I don't know if you know Tony, but he makes a living off of shooting animals on the ground with his bow. It's pretty impressive. Yep. Um, if you want to see a film he did last year, it's called In Plain Sight. It's on the Rockslide YouTube channel, and you can see him getting it done, and you can see the power of those decoys. And by the way, that is not a sponsor. At one time, Heads Up was a sponsor back in our early days, but they haven't been for quite a few years. Um, but Tony loves their gear, so we publish it. It's very interesting how he used that. You, should go, you guys should go check out that video. Uh, gear failure, Big Agnes Base Camp Tent. And I do love this picture because I have been there. Not with the Big Agnes, but, you know, we've all been there with the tent fell, I think. Uh, he says, this was the third year out of the last four that their Big Agnes, Big Agnes Base Camp Tent has collapsed and has been destroyed in a windstorm. My question to Tony is, why is he using it for four years if that's the problem? But it says, vent pull and rip nylon are the results. They are, they just aren't designing for area, can't read, they just aren't designed for areas of high wind. Yep. Yeah. He's got the pictures to prove it. It's, I love that picture because I have been in that pain. All right, you got Josh Boyd. Josh Boyd, one of our best writers, um, uh, does a lot of reviews in all categories, uh, and he's uh, been a Leica fan for years. I don't think he has any affiliation with them at all besides, you know, just me introducing him to him and then sending him him the binoculars, and he can use anything he wants, but he really liked their Leica GeoVid Pro 32. Um, This binocular is an excellent uh, compromise between weight, bulk, and optical performance. You know, I, I edited that. You don't have, you really don't have to edit his reviews much. Uh, um, he's such a good writer. I think, yeah, that has a rangefinder in it. Um, uh, I read, sometimes I read so much on gear, I get them mixed up, but that, that has a rangefinder in it with a, uh, with a 32 millimeter objective. He really liked it. I would love to get my hands on a pair of those. I think those would be really good for archery lightweight package full range finder and alpha glass uh the next one was uh, uh by the way like is a sponsor uh catered in uh catered dine b3 three liter water filter they are not a sponsor by the way ultralight ultralight six ounce fast filtering compact and durable every time i used it i was amazed at how fast it worked Easily twice as fast as any other gravity filter I've owned. It's simple to clean, and the replacement cartridges are under $30. Katedin hit a home run with this filter. Uh, gear failure, black diamond storm headlamp. I could not keep this headlamp working this fall. For unknown reasons, replacement batteries would corrode or drain in a matter of days while riding in a locked, in locked mode in my pack. It happened at least three times in September, but with the backup lights I carry, this failure was nothing more than a minor inconvenience. Go ahead, Ryan. Ross Russell, the old elk slayer. Um, he is he our is he our oldest writer? <laughs> he is our well, no Mike Peterson, the muzzle oh, Mike loader, Peterson, the yeah. loader. He's the oldest. Okay. But Ross Ross has the most mileage. Ross might be the most in shape, even at I don't know how old he's somewhere between oh, 56 and 60. 58. Oh, is he? Is he that yeah. old? Yeah. I and he would beat me up the hill, no doubt. Oh, me too. With okay. Oh, absolutely. So Challenger Elk Read. Uh, So many choices to choose from, but I have found this Challenger Elk Read from Rocky Mountain Calls to provide exceptional sound and realistic clarity. Uh, He does know his elk calls. He's a heck of a bugler. That's a word. I think he's killed 50 elk, 50 point bulls, something like that. If you guys know Ross, I won't give up his secrets, but he has a heck of a trophy room. 
lot of six points. I don't know where his number was. I believe it's 50-ish, and it's impressive. And these are hard-won elk. These are North Idaho, Northwest Montana elk. Hard-fought elk. Yes, yes, that's right. And by the way, they are not the challenger is not an advertiser either. It's interesting, huh? But you know, we're so biased, right? So uh, in fact, this next one, dude, talk about unbiased. Do his next one. Yes, and this is probably the most talked about firearm on Rockslide. Uh, it's a Tika T3 rifle. My Tika's 20th season, and it continues to shoot lights out with the trusty with my trusty Leopold. Uh, Leopold, sorry, I just got corrected the other day. My trusty Leopold. They both have plenty of battle scars. Old men keep it simple and reliable. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's probably the most talked about rifle on Rockside. Never have been an advertiser. They don't want to advertise, but, man, there's a lot of Tika lovers on there. There is. We do have a few Tika uh, accessory advertisers, though, which is funny how big Tikas have become. Yeah, they have. Hey, you know, you get a lot for what you pay for. You know, it's it's it's, it's a great product. It really is. Um, okay, I'll do Randy Gerke. He's one of our um, uh, moderators, uh, but he uses a lot of gear, like a lot of our moderators do. Uh, really right stuff. Anvil 30, tri- 30 tripod head. It's bomb-proof and unbelievably steady to shoot off of with whisper or super fast adjustments. It also works well to glass off of, very quick to adjust, and fast interchange between optics. By the way, they are not a sponsor. Uh, Crispy Guide, uninsulated boots. Crispy is a sponsor. Uh, Great boots that fit my wide feet well. They provide great support for hauling heavy packs, crossing rock slides, and side hilling. 99% 99% sure he bought those boots with his own money because I never set up a review um, with Crispy. We've done a lot of Crispy reviews, but I didn't set that one up. So uh, his gear failure, the stuff sack from his Kuyu 10, his Mountain Star 2. It's too small in diameter and too long. I've basically not used it and decided to this year. And on the first trip out, it ripped. Great tent, but not so great at the containment system. Uh, you can do the next one, Ryan. Sam Re- Sam Weaver, real unlucky, and he does a great job for us. He's a good uh, Yes, he does. Moderation, he is like the perfect moderator. Scree Guardian Jackets and Bibs. They kept me in the deer stand for all-day sits that would have me have normally made me scurry back to the truck to warm up, but been using them here during the late-season cow hunts where elk only move during the worst conditions. Very versatile cold-weather gear. As a link to those, and then his second view. You know anything about those? I have known nothing about that. Dude, Sam, um, uh, you know, he's not on Scree's pro staff or anything like that. Um, we we just sent him a lot of Scree gear over the years. So he's probably the most knowledgeable Scree guy on Rockslide because he's got to wear everything and he's done a lot of reviews. If you have any, any questions about, about Scree, there's a lot of value in Scree. Um, get, get a hold of Sam. His uh, screen name is Real Unlucky on Rockslide. He can tell you just about every piece that's in there. The hard, his second piece is the hard side hydration swig rig. And, and this is a cool little piece of kit that needed to happen. So I'm glad they came out with it. The simplicity of the Nalgene bottle with a few twists makes it impressive all season system. And uh, if you haven't seen them, uh, I think we did two different reviews on them. I believe there's a video and a written review. And it's just basically a straw that goes into a hydration bladder or hydration Nalgene uh, bottle, the tall, tall or short. And, um, it's just basically like a hydration pack, but you can use a bottle that never breaks. Yeah, exactly. Makes makes your system really versatile. You can either, you know, put your 
bottle on your pack, just like you would a bladder. <clears throat> but you can also take your bottle off. And, you know, the Nalgene is really convenient around camp or a bladder is not so convenient around camp. Um, they are a Rockside advertiser, by the way. And at, at Expo, I went to their booth and they've now come out with another product, um, just like their, uh, their swig rig. Oh, forgive me. I, for, I forgot the name, but it goes on a standard water bottle. So you can just stop at the gas station and buy a water bottle and, um, and, and, and use it just like a bladder. Yeah, it's cool, and I don't. I, I'm always impressed by people that don't break the actual bladders. And yes, that is my dog barking, so excuse him. Um, he says no. The, his gear fell is the Hanwag Alaskan boots. He says no picture, but I did have my trusty Hanwag Alaskan boots lose a sole in the mountains this year. It was a slippery hiking around in the rain with duct tape holding everything together. Luckily, I killed a deer the same day and had a backup pair at the Jeep for the second trip out. And all right, you got Tony. Tony, our newest, one of our newest moderators, Tony Crumley. He's FNG. That stands for Fantastic New Guy. Tony on Rockslide, and uh, um, he submitted <laughs> uh, some reviews. I don't think that's what it's getting. Dude, we are a PG-13 site and a PG-13 uh, podcast. So Fantastic the, New Guy. The military. Thermarest. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Rest Luxury Map Sleeping Pad. Not ideal for backpacking since it's three pounds and it's bulky, but it's comfortable, warm, and durable. Lifetime Cooler, um, who is a competitor to one of our sponsors, but we and they are not an advertiser, but we still we post good gear. And I've heard not just from Tony about these, but the Lifetime Cooler. It's a nice budget optum between a standard Col- Coleman and a high-end Yeti or similar. I've heard that from other guys too. Tough cooler, uh, good insulating properties. Uh, there you go, Ryan. Yeah, that lifetime cooler. I don't have any, but Jim does, and they are for the price. They are very good coolers. All right, William Hansen, live to hunt. He's been a he's been a Rockside member for a long time. Oh, ten years. Moderator, yep. reading. Yep. He number one is the Kafaru Mod Deuce. Still my favorite pack of all time. I use it for everything from squirrel hunting to the shooting range to lengthy backcountry hunts. And he does have a review on it. Um, his second piece is the Phoenix HM65R-T headlamp. And he says, it's a little heavy, but at 1,500 lumens max, which is a lot, it is ridiculous. Yeah, it is ridiculously bright and extremely durable. The ability to recharge keeps me from having to carry extra batteries available. And then he put the link up in that one also. It's not that big. I'm surprised for 1,500 lumens. No, no, and I think that runs on the 18650 batteries, which I do like. A military guy told me once, if you take the lumen and you divide it by 10, that's how many yards it will it will go, I think is what he told me. So if it's 1,500 lumens, you can see 150 yards. Does that sound right? I, I am so dumb that I have no idea. I, th- I think that's what he told me, dude. That, that's a very bright light. I wanted to say something about William, too. Um, a lot of our um, – not all our writers are Western writers. William is from Missouri. And but he's a very valued writer because he brings that experience of living in Missouri, you know, hunting turkeys. Don't make fun of him, Ryan. Um, you know, all that flatlander stuff. Yet he comes out to the West and 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 hunts out here too. So he always brings a unique perspective to his reviews. Yeah, and he also it's just kind of goes to the diversity we have. You can put him or Tony Treek or or Glendon. They're all you know they're all Easterners or you know yeah, Central. And they're coming out west. So yeah, Les Welch, great one. All right. His gear failure. 
Your failure, he said, I had three of note this year, but arguably none were the fault of the product. I know that feeling. Yeah. The most annoying failure by far was my sleeping bag, and it's the Xpad ah. Sim or sorry, sleeping pad. It's the Xpad Sinmat UL9 sleeping bag, sleeping sleeping pad. After a very long hunting day, I failed to properly prepare my sleeping pad site, and a small or a stop, a stop punctured my pad. That's a tongue twister. At least for me. After about 45 minutes, I was able to repair it, but I was pretty aggravated by the time I got to bed. Anybody that's had sleeping pads knows that pain. Oh, yeah. yeah, you just want to go to bed, and you're fighting with glue and dirt <laughs> trying to pump up your pads. So I can say I have the X-Ped, um, oh, the Palace, I call it. It's the big, thick one. I think it's the, uh, the, the Max. Um, and I'm going on three years and I, I have not punctured it yet, but I'm really careful. You know, I hunt with horses so I can always have uh, an extra tarp to lay down really careful where I lay it down. And I, and I have not had any uh, uh, punctures on it. The, uh, I don't know, hunting with Robbie, he's kind of a prankster, but I always mess with people and let the air out of it. Like, Oh shit, you got a hole in yours. See, <laughs> you better have that 338 HP <laughs> loaded when you let the air out of my pack. Oh. Because, dude, ask my family, dude, I am a sleeper. If I, 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 if you wake me up, I am on bad behavior, man. It, it, it that's well known in my family. So, and if be you don't ready. Get your nap. If you don't get your nap, you're a different person. <laughs> if I don't get my nap, or I get woke up in the middle of the night in a stressful situation, I, it's, it's all lower brainstem for me, dude. It's all, all, mostly fight, no flight. I do want to actually have people look at the toes in that picture. I really I appreciate them. I really appreciate I never noticed that when we put the review up. So what Ryan's talking about, if you go to the bottom picture of the of the failed XPED, there is the nastiest looking toenail. Um, looks like he injured his toe maybe five years ago, and then mold and rust took over and then two of the longest second third toes i've ever seen is this even on a person oh uh, i i know he put that in there on purpose well done well done well done <laughs> that's funny i never noticed that so anyways that's our wrap uh there's a link at the bottom if you want to go back to our 2021 top gear list um this is something i think it's our third year of doing this we're, we're, we're going to keep it up um expect uh, more from uh non-advertisers advertisers um gear failures we're, we're going to keep this rolling no i think we've covered all the bases so that's all i got all right man there's a two-hour podcast for everybody makes up for the last uh couple of years <laughs>